Welcome on back, everybody, to another episode of the podcast, To Be Named Later. I am Noah Hiles. He is... Alex Stumpf. And Alex, you guys can't tell right now because this is just an audio platform, but Alex is smiling ear to ear about Uh. his upcoming (laughs) drive to the Windy City. How excited are you on the road? First time on the road this year for you since Bradenton. Since Bradenton, yeah. So I'm excited about that. The drive's going to be... Try is going to be something, but it's a situation where I don't have the option to fly. I, I would much rather fly to Chicago uh, just as an option for this road trip. So I'll tell you what. Hopefully, hopefully there's some good uh, fast food places along the way, like stuff you can't really find in Pittsburgh, like a Carl's Jr. or Sonic. You don't have Sonics in Pittsburgh? There's one, but it's so far out of the way from being the South Hills that I never go. There's one in Cannonsburg. That's kind of far out of the way from South Hills, man. Eh, kind of. All right, but anyway, I digress. There is, you talk about fast food, there is some good audio content to fill your uh, drive with great Pittsburgh sports discussion. It's DK Pittsburgh Sports Radio. A lot of good stuff coming out as the Penguins look to return. Um, when you're listening to this, it'll be tomorrow. The Penguins return tomorrow in action so that'll be – we're going to have a ton of stuff on that, I'm sure. Steelers are back in action as well, getting some practice in as they prepare for the regular season. And the Buccos, as we are about to preview right now, head to the Windy City for a three-game series against the first-place Chicago Cubs. It's hard to call any series important this early into the season, but when you consider a few of the aspects involved, which we're going to break down – this is a rather important series, Alex. Would you agree with that? I mean, this is if the parts are actually going to compete for one of those wild card spots in 2020. Uh, that Brewer series, they left a win on a table. That Cardinal series, they left another win on the table. You can only do that so many times in a 60-game season. Cubs have looked really good coming out of the gates. Um, but, you know, I, I stand by, I feel like a – Fans in Wrigley Field is probably one of the biggest home field advantages any team has, and that's neutralized. I mean, there's still the wind, there's still the ivy, there's still, you know, weird bounces that it could take off the wall. So there's still home field advantages for the Cubs, but I think that is very much neutralized. It's a big series for the Pirates. To, if they could go in there and take two, That'd be huge going into those four games against Minnesota, who are who is one of the best teams in baseball. Yeah, and you talked about how it's big leaving those games on the table. It's also big because it's another series against an NL Central foe. I, I haven't looked around. I'm sure there might be a couple other teams that have done this, but how many teams have opened their se- season with nine straight games against division opponents? I, I feel like most. Really? I I mean, I feel like I'm seeing a lot of interleague stuff to start the year. I feel like everyone's had one interleague uh, series already where the Pirates haven't had one and they won't until the end of this week. So it's big for the Pirates to get two wins here. As we said, you want to see five out of these next 10 games, out of these 10 games between Milwaukee, Chicago, and Minnesota. They only got one from the Brewers and – Two win that one extra win as opposed to just taking one out of three makes a huge difference. And you look at other divisions in baseball, the uh, the NL Central. We don't know what the Cubs' result was um, on Thursday evening, but even assuming they 
they win. They're five and two. The rest of it, the rest of the central is grouped together. This is a division that starts off slow. The Cubs look to be really good this year, but you can still just remain in the mix. And that's, that's the important thing where winning games is important in general, but taking two out of three from a division opponent this early in the year after dropping two series in a row against other division opponents helps you in the long run. And I think that that's what's important, especially going into this. It's going to probably be first place versus last place, unless the Cincinnati Reds beat the Chicago Cubs on Thursday night. Again, we don't know that. We're recording a little bit before that game because Alex has to drive down there and cover it. So, Alex, looking at the pitching matchups, game one, and these are going off of whose turn it is in the rotation. The Cubs haven't announced a starter for any of these seri- uh, for any of these games yet. Uh, but game one, it's looking to be Trevor Williams against Tyler Chatwood. Game two, Mitch Keller versus John Lester. Game three, Bralton Cool against Alec Mills. Between these three pitchers, Alex, they have allowed um, three earned runs. The Cubs starters that they'll be facing this weekend. That's one start though. I know, but I'm just saying that was a good, they, they all had a very good outing to start the year. And while the Pirates Pirates starters. Yes. Yes. For the most part. I mean, Trevor allowed three and brought and cool combined allowed none. So I guess it's three versus three. I didn't think of it that way. I don't know. I just see these names and uh, they give me, they give me some, uh, some worry. What do you think about the pitching matchups? I mean, Chatwood is a guy who he he's he's erratic. He's wild. He's you never know what you're going to get in a game. I mean, we're going to know by the second or third inning if he's going to be effective at all. And by that point, it's going to be so apparently clear because he's either walked four batters or he's just rolling. So Chatwood is a guy. Whatever he's on, he's pretty good. Who knows if he'll be on Mills? not much to think about that. I don't have much to say in general out of that. Uh, it's, I, I don't think Chicago's rotation is that daunting. No. For the most part. And honestly, listening to those pitching matchups, I would argue the parts might have the advantage in at least two of those games. I'd see one. I think they have the advantage with Keller. John Lester doesn't scare me anymore. No, no, John Lester isn't. It see, that's funny because Lester was the guy I. I know, like, I well, know. I I kind of said that because I knew you were thinking the opposite. But yeah, I, I think I think Keller. I would argue that Keller is the advantage. Where Trevor, I don't know. I I would hope to see Trevor get. I I would, would rather have game. Trevor Williams start than Tyler Chatwood. All right, all right. So. We talked about pitching. What do you want to see lineup-wise from the Buccos this year? Uh, they've, or not this year, this series, excuse me. Um, they've, they've had a couple guys play every single game. Reynolds, Bell, Moran. Am I missing anyone else? Frazier. Uh, Those four Frazier. have started everything. Who do you want to see in the outfield this series? Who do you want to see use as designated hitter? Who do you want to see get more of an opportunity? Who do you want to see less of? Give me a couple. Uh, I think Polanco is the guy that I want to see in the lineup three times. I don't particularly care if it's DH or outfield. He just – that's a big bat. And you know what? Guy go through some, some growing pains as he gets his timing back. That's just going to be how it has to go. May as well get that done in, you know, 
late July. I almost said early April, but it's like it's not early April, Alex. It's it's July. Remember, if this was a normal year, this would be the trade deadline right now. So uh, he's the guy who I think just needs to be in the lineup, get that timing back, either as a DH, ideally get a starter to in right field as well. Um, Carl Moran, keep his bat in the lineup. We prefer him to actually stick at third base rather than going at first for a bit because the first base experiment has not gone well. And it's kind of puzzling to me not to be, you know, a Jose Osuna, you know, bang that drum. But but Jose Osuna is a pretty good defenseman at first base. I don't get the the mindset of, hey, let's put Carl Moran at first base so Jose Osuna, instead of Jose Osuna, who's actually good at the position. I mean, even if you want to get Philip Evans at bats, I mean, Evans can play first base too. So, Is he tall? Uh, eh, not I know really, that's a very old school thought, but that's just... I, no, I mean, that's kind of a justifiable old school thought. You want to have that wide target for the infielder, but... I think he's I like mean, 5'10", isn't he, Philip Evans? I'll be honest with you. I haven't, you know, sized him up in person since, no, yeah, since that's Bradenton. True. I mean, we've had a couple Zoom calls, but everyone looks about the same height there unless you're Blanco. Uh, here, let me look him up right here. Where are you, Philip? Five foot ten. Man, am I, I good. That's, that's why they pay me the big bucks, folks. He um, don't miss. I don't miss. So here are some guys that I, as you were talking and before the show, I was thinking about the lineup. I want to see Cole Tucker play one game in center field this series. We've seen him in right, and I know that you brought on Dyson and Guillermo for their defense, and Guillermo is thought to be more of a corner outfielder but can play center field defensively very well. However, I want to give Cole Tucker a shot um, with your going along with your idea with Polanco. I want to see Cole Tucker play one game in center field this series because that could potentially be a spot where – he calls home later on in his career. Um, I want to see Osuna start all three games this series. And like you said, I don't, I don't care where. You could play him at designated hitter. You could play him at first base. You could play him at third base where he's listed as uh, his main position on the roster, which I don't think he's – has he played at any third base this year? No. Okay. That's – yeah, that makes sense. Uh, or you could see him play a corner outfield position. I think he deserves a series to get a chance to prove himself all three games. Um, Phil Evans, I want to see two games. I get that getting his bat going or continuing to go, I guess you could say, um, isn't the main priority of this ball club, but he's the only one getting on base consistently. He, he has the highest on base percentage and batting average on the team that has the worst batting average and on base percentage in the entire major leagues. So I, I think you got to keep giving him opportunities. I can understand an off day for him, but two out of three games, I would like to see that for Phil Evans. And Kevin Newman, enough with the off days for Kevin Newman. They're giving Brian Reynolds all these opportunities when he's only had two hits this season so far. Kevin Newman should get the same length of a leash, in my opinion. While Reynolds has been great in the field, Newman's been subpar. I can't argue that. But I want to see Kevin Newman getting at bats, preferably in the top of the order, because – that's where the team's going to need him if they are going to be competitive, not only this year, but moving forward. Um, your thoughts on any of my opinions there, Alex, before we move forward? The only one I'm going to bring up is Newman because, again, he missed a little. He missed one of the exhibitions because he was banged up a bit. I, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he isn't you know, 100%, and that's partially why 
they're easing them back into playing time. All right. Uh, my final point, when I look at this series, looking through all the Cubs numbers, it looks like Contreras is hitting the ball really well. Anthony Rizzo uh, has three home runs or three home runs as we're recording this, maybe he hit another one on Thursday night. Um, Chris Bryant entering Thursday was two of 22 reminds you of another former national league MVP that was slumping and the pirates took advantage of, uh, how big of a break is that? If they, if the pirates can continue to take advantage of one of the best hitters in the national league, not seeing the ball right now. Yeah. I mean, in case anyone missed that, that was Yelich that Noah was referring to last yeah. series. But or a guy who has the name and looks like Christian Yelich, but I, yeah. I didn't see Christian Yelich in the batter's box that series at all. Pete Davidson. Yeah. Uh, the king of Staten Island, baby. I haven't seen that yet. It's, it's okay. I mean, I liked it just because it was the only movie to come out in four months. But anyway, talk could, more about Congratulations baseball. on winning all the Oscars. Yes. Um. I, I've said it before, this Cubs team is a very, very top-heavy team where they are not deep. They've got about four or five players who are legitimately good and, you know, are at least on the cusp of superstardom in terms of ability and production. Chris Bryant is one of them. Without those four or five guys, this Cubs team is very thin. So if one of them isn't hitting, that – that's huge. I mean, I know the Cubs are winning right now, but a couple of those wins are coming against the Reds who are who just look terrible. They've just looked terrible coming out of the gates. No way around it. Which you just hate to see. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to count my chickens before hatch, but just remember, I kept saying all off season that, you know, you, they were built on pitching and then every move they made was, you know, to make their defense worse and hurt the pitching. So good luck with that. It's, the Cubs aren't deep. Chris Bryant is a big part of that offense. If they can neutralize him, I feel like that's a good portion of the battle. That's like one third of the battle they need to do. Like let, let Schwarber beat you. Let Contreras beat you. Let, you know, other people go, don't let Bryant beat you. Don't let Baez beat you. Don't let Rizzo beat you. If they could go this series without Bryant Baez or Rizzo beating them, they're going to win at least two. Biggest key to me in this series is keeping the ball in the yard. And this this is a team yeah. that can, you know, send some on the street. I was thinking of the street. What's the street behind Wrigley? I couldn't think of it at the top of, off the top of my head. Ewing. Ewing. Yeah. Yeah. They could, they could send them there. I mean, this is a team that can hit home runs. You just named a whole bunch of guys who are regular 20, 30, 40 – home run hitters a season between Baez, Rizzo, Schwarber, KB, all of those guys. They, they can hit, and the Pirates, for their, their starters especially, they've had great outings, and then they just lose a shutout off of, off of one bad pitch, one long ball. And the Brewers are another team that can hit the ball out of the yard, as are the Cardinals. But out of those three, I would argue that the Cubs have the most home run power in their lineup when one functioning at full capacity. So that's the big key is keep the ball in the yard. And I know that saying that in 2020 in baseball is uh, no duh. I mean, everyone's hitting home runs, but that's the big key here is, is deal with that wind and, you know, keep it, keep it inside the Ivy, I guess. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Pirates offense and what we need to see from it, not only in this series coming up against the Cubs, 
but as we move forward, stay tuned. All right, Alex, second half of the show. We just got done talking about what the Chicago Cubs can do offensively. Let's talk about what the Pirates aren't doing offensively. Through six games this season, the Pirates are the worst in baseball when it comes to batting average, the worst in baseball when it comes to OPS, the worst in baseball when it comes to on-base percentage, and the second worst in baseball when it comes to slugging percentage. Granted, this is just six games into the season, and granted, They've played some decent pitchers in those six games. But, Alex, what needs to change? What's the main point of emphasis if you're looking at the Pirates' offensive strategy that needs to be rectified as they go into this big three-game series against the Cubbies? Well, it's simple. Uh, Josh Bell and Brian Reynolds need to hit. It just hasn't happened so far. I mean, that was – that was about as bad a series as we've seen from Josh Bell at the plate in a while. I mean, I think it was, what, two for 13 with two singles? The Brewers have his number. It's, it's a very simple strategy. They are just going to pound that low outside corner with off-speed and breaking stuff, and he can't square it up. They know that. That could be – I mean, let's just be blunt here – that was about the time last year after that torrid May that Josh Bell started to slow down was after the Brewers did exactly that late last May. And it it took a while for him to get everything back going again. Now I think, you know, rest and, you know, being overworked was also a very big part of that slump, but the Brewers showed the handbook for the rest of the league of this is how you get Josh Bell out. So until he's able to lay off that those pitches that miss or square one up, that's going to be how he's going to get pitched. Brian Reynolds, on the other hand, just hasn't looked particularly good. I mean, we've seen some ugly swings so far, especially for strike three. The first strikeout last night was one of the most un-Reynolds-like swings I feel like we've seen since he's come up in the major leagues, he's not often fooled, but it seems like he's being fooled, especially by velocity early on, which is kind of surprising because he is such a good fastball hitter. I, I, I buy Derek Shelton saying whenever, I mean, every player goes to a six game stretch like these two just had over the course of a whole season. Every player does. And whenever those come at the beginning of the season, it's magnified because, you know, it's your batting average is put right there. Everyone can see it. There is no hiding it because you had a strong start to the season. But, yeah, this is – the Pirates need someone to step on on offense besides Colin Moran. Colin Moran cannot be the entire – offense as crazy as that sounds Frazier isn't hitting Newman isn't hitting Josh Bell isn't hitting Brian Reynolds isn't hitting those are four guys that was the originally projected one through four of the lineup it's no coincidence that the Pirates are you know last in average in OPS and can't score a run before the seventh inning whenever the top of their lineup isn't producing you talked about the main four guys, the top four. Um, I, I mentioned that I mentioned this earlier this week. I think it was after the loss on uh, Monday, and it's it's continued. The top three spots in the lineup, regardless of who they put there, aren't producing. 
They're, they're combined seven for 68 so far in the first six games of the year. And those are the guys who are seeing the most plate appearances. That's, that, they're hitting 102. That's 70 points, 69 points, nice, below the average for the team. So they have to do better. They have to do better, those one through three, whoever you're going to put there. And you mentioned individual players. I'm even talking about guys like, like Phil Evans. If they're going to hit Phil Evans in the top three, he's got he's to produce. If they're going to move Osuna up there, if they're going to try someone else in the leadoff spot, maybe it will be Dyson. I don't know. Cole Tucker. I don't know. Whoever. You, you have to get production from the top of your lineup. You have to. You, you can't go. I, I believe they've only produced one extra base hit. In seven games, the top three spots of the lineup in six games, and it was the Frazier home run. Those are the guys yeah. who set the table for people who are hitting, like Colin Moran and checks notes, just Colin Moran. But in all seriousness, that starts it off because if your leadoff guy can get on, or if your second hitter can get on, the pitcher's gonna, you know, deliver differently. You're making guys pitch out of the stretch, you're putting pressure on starting pitchers early on. And that makes a difference in how the, how the game is called behind the plate. That makes a difference in a lot of different aspects uh, for the pit, pitcher versus hitter matchup. So you've got to get on base, and you've got to start just hitting the freaking ball before the seventh inning. And on the, on the flip side, it is nice to see this late battle this team continues to have, scoring runs in the late innings, although it wasn't on display Wednesday. And, and to be blunt also, except that I wish I would have brought up in my first rant, uh, top of the lineup really needs to hit whenever you look at the bottom half, bottom third of the lineup. Yeah. Because, I mean, Dyson, Stallings, two guys who are, who are here for their defense, and their defense is really good, and it justifies a spot in the lineup. But you can't count on them to carry the offense. No. No, they're, they're, they're just – they're not good hitters. Guillermo, good ball players. Guillermo, same, same. Yeah, yeah. There's very clearly whenever Eric Gonzalez is in the lineup, fantastic fielder, maybe the best fielder, not named Jacob Stallings on this team, at just about any position. But you know, John Ryan Murphy. Yeah, it's it's very clear. The bottom third of the lineup isn't going to win you games with the bat. What it's going to do is it's going to you know Guillermo Heredia is going to uncork that throw from you know, to get the runner on third base. Uh, Jacob Stallings is going to block those pitches. In the, Jordan Dice is going to make that run and catch in the gap. They save you runs. They're not going to drive in runs. They're going to save you runs. And that's fine if the top half of your lineup is producing, which they aren't. Yeah. So, what, if, if, if they don't continue to produce – you talked about these slumps and how it's tough when your two best hitters, it, two, your two best hitters eventually are going to go through a six-game slump. And it's just tough when, A, it starts a season, and B, both of them are going through it at the same time. And you yeah. brought up how the Brewers have Bell's number. I will bring up how when he cooled down, you remember when he heated up last year? It was in the series against the Cubs right before the All-Star break. He was absolutely smashing the ball. So maybe... Same with Frazier that series. He turned into Rogers Hornsby for three or four games. And Reynolds, I believe, had a good series. Yeah, they were all hitting the ball. So maybe that's the spark that they need. 
Alex, give me a prediction, just a record prediction for this Cubs road trip. Um, how many? How many do they win? Uh, I'm gonna say one. Just yeah. grand scheme of things, until until I see the offense really come through. If the off- if Josh Bell and Brian Reynolds, you know, pick it up, then yeah, I can see the two wins. But for now, I'm just seeing one. Probably that you know, salvaging the finale with Broughton Cool beating Mills. That's what I predicted. I, I same thing. Sunday win. Similar to the Cardinals series, I think that they'll get blown out one game. I think that they'll have a close game that they can't get they can't get the job done in, and I think they'll win the Sunday game. Well, Alex, final thoughts. You know that that formula for the series that's not going to be good if that's going to be the trend because we've seen that twice already. Well, hey. What are you going to do? Hopefully they prove us wrong. Be sure to continue reading all of Alex's stuff on DKPittsburghSports.com. You know where to find it because you're lunatics. You love this stuff. Uh, Be sure to listen to all of our other content on DK Sports Radio. For Alex Dump, I'm Noah Hiles signing off saying we'll see you next week.